Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Are you among the millions of people that suffer from fatigue, procrastination, depression, or a lack of mental performance? Today we have with us Ben Angel, who's going to show us how we can biohack our mind and body to achieve optimal health and success. If you want to know the secrets to thriving and living your life to its fullest, this is the interview you've been waiting for. Through simple lifestyle changes and diet modifications, you can become an upgraded version of yourself. If you want to get unstuck and accelerate to greatness, stay tuned. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a best-selling and award-winning author, speaker, and online course creator. With over 350,000 international followers, his work has helped tens of thousands overcome the root cause of their fatigue, procrastination, and mental health concerns. He just released a newly revised and updated edition of his international bestseller, Unstoppable, a 90-day plan to biohack your mind and body for success, and the soon-to-be-released Mind Control. Welcome to the show, Ben Angel. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I absolutely love the show. Oh, so great to have you with us. You know, I enjoyed reading Unstoppable. It really offers useful and easy blueprints to attaining physical, emotional, and really spiritual well-being. Share with us what inspired you to write Unstoppable. Yeah, so when I was 34, well, six years ago now, I'd actually taken a trip, three-month trip around the U.S. and Canada to take some time off. And when I got back home to Australia, I noticed that all of a sudden I was getting depressed, had crippling brain fog, which is the last thing that anyone wants as an author and a speaker. And uh, I found that when I was doing speaking events, like I used to do 40 to 60 a year at one point, but when I started doing speaking events again, I would end up in the floor on the floor after the event in just complete and utter exhaustion. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Most people say to me, okay, well, you're obviously eating bad or you're drinking too much. But that wasn't the case. I'd always been a very health-conscious individual. And it didn't matter how many doctors or nutritionists I saw, no one could actually work out what the problem was, which inspired me to go on this 90-day mission. So I came up with a crazy idea to pitch a book idea to Entrepreneur Magazine, which I document the process. And I tell you what, having a book contract to keep you accountable, just <laughs> there is no greater level of accountability that you could ever have because in the first month, I genuinely wanted to give up because I wasn't getting all of the answers when I first started. Right. You know, you bring up the big word that a lot of us have experienced, brain fog, something we know is on the tip of our tongue, uh, but we just can't retrieve it from our mind. What causes this and how can it be remedied? Well, one particular factor that we look at in the book is looking at specifically brain inflammation and other factors that actually lead to it. Because with brain fog, it actually slows down the processing of our brain. So when any kind of inflammation is triggered, whether that could be through chronic pain, uh, digestive symptoms, or eating foods that are highly inflammatory, then we can suffer as a result of that. And I'm sure most people listening at one point in time, we may have had a deep fried meal <laughs> somewhere. And in the coming days, we just can't think clearly. We don't have our typical energy and we're not able to 
think sharply. So one of the first things that I suggest to people is really do a food audit. Go through the food pantry, look at foods that can trigger inflammation. But as a lot of your podcasts most recently, look at your gut health. And in doing this project with Unstoppable, with the revised edition, we actually surveyed over 50,000 people and we collected 1.5 million pieces of data to look at, okay, what are the psychological symptoms as well as the physiological symptoms or behavior? And one of the things that we found is the worse people got, the less they ate, ate a healthy diet, which is one factor. Uh, there was also higher rates of obesity, higher rates of chronic pain, and also high rates of people taking some form of medication. Now, we know based on certain types of medication, there could be some kind of inflammatory response. And that's where people, it's not just a food audit, it's really doing a full lifestyle audit, going back to your doctor, talking about side effects with medications as well, and really learning and getting up-to-date information to see, am I missing a piece of the puzzle that's really obvious and it's probably staring me in the face, but I may have been taking it or eating it for so long that I wouldn't even consider it an issue. Right. That makes sense. You know, I know you talk in, in your book about the benefits of nootropics. Share with the listeners what these are, what they do for the body, and is there a specific one you recommend? Yeah, so nootropics, uh, they can be smart drugs that help to boost cognitive performance. So they can either be pharmaceutically derived or nutritionally derived. One of my favorites for people who are suffering brain fog as well as depression is one called L-tyrosine. So yeah, L-tyrosine is a non-essential amino acid. It's absolutely critical for cognitive function, and we can get it from chicken for example, chicken, turkey, as well as avocado. But what it does is it can preserve mental capacity while someone is experiencing physical hardship, which is, let's face it, that's most of the population within the last year. But it's also been shown to increase dopamine, which is, of course, a key neurotransmitter that helps control the flow of information from various regions of the brain. So L-tyrosine is one of my top picks as well as L-theanine, which is an amino acid. It's also found naturally in black and green teas. But that one specifically helps to reduce anxiety, increase attention, improve brain health. So I actually had some L-theanine and L-tyrosine before I sat down to speak to you, of course. <laughs> That's great. Is it as powerful as that uh, the pill that Bradley Cooper took in the movie Limitless that we all want to find? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything's as powerful as that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there one day, though. Oh, one day. Boy, I, I watched that. I go, how great would that be? Talk to us about, yeah. talk, talk to us about diet. Is there a certain diet that makes us more unstoppable? Yeah, well, one day. Like paleo, vegan, Mediterranean? Well, it's interesting. I assessed a lot of different diets and we assess even more diets in the new book that's coming out soon. But one thing in looking at the dietary behavior of these individuals, the top 6%, and let me be clear, what we did with a survey of 50,000 is we categorized people into four different identity types based on their psychological and biological symptoms. So one thing I decided to ask the question is, 
what is it that the peak performers are doing that they don't necessarily notice that they're doing? <laughs> Which, when you look at that, like we're given all this different health advice, but what we found interestingly is the biggest one that has the biggest benefit right now isn't necessarily a diet, although of course we've got to eat clean foods, remove sugars and processed carbs from our diet, but it's to do intermittent fasting which is, of course, one of the most popular trends at the moment. But what intermittent fasting does is it actually boosts BDNF, so brain-derived nootropic factor. So what this means is that it helps with brain performance. And when you do intermittent fasting, people you may eat from, say, 12 to 6 o'clock and then not eat again until 12 the following day but it can help to level out energy levels. And one thing I've noticed with surveying these 50,000 people and seeing all our members apply this in their practice is that their energy levels even out. So a lot of people in this day and age have an energy deficit. They've got goals that they want to achieve, but they don't necessarily have the energy they need to go and achieve those goals. So there's a gap. So certain things like doing intermittent fasting can even out that energy throughout the day. One of the other big benefits is also emotional control because if we're not experiencing dips in our energy and our energy is consistent throughout the day, that also helps to stabilize our mood and aids with emotional control. So that's one of my favorites. I'm a fan of the keto diet, albeit, as you probably read in the book, there's 5% of people that we surveyed that have had suicidal thoughts within the past month. Uh, they're depressed. They're not eating well. We've had anecdotal evidence from people reaching out to us after I released a video in the last year in which I said, people, said to them, hey, if you're in the bottom 5% where you're really, really struggling, need help immediately, do not do the keto diet. And there's a few key reasons for this. And that is that when, when you switch from an unhealthy diet to suddenly a highly restrictive diet and you take out the carbs and sugars and you're trying to get fat adapted to get those ketones, the body has this kind of metabolic inertia. So in that state, when someone's already struggling with emotional control, their energy is all over the place, they're experiencing mood swings, to suddenly take out sugars and carbs and take that fuel source out that the brain is used to and then get it fat adapted, that disrupts the entire body. So people need to go easy with that, especially in that state. And it can also affect how any antipsychotic that they actually take works. And like I said, I'm a fan of the keto diet, but I do believe people should have some kind of baseline of health before they experiment it, experiment with it. And we have had individuals approach us after we released that video saying, Ben, I'm glad you released that video because within a week of trying keto, my husband almost admitted me to the psychiatric ward because I was becoming unstable. 
Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you so, brought that up. That was actually on my list because I read that in your book that the ketogenic diet, uh, not, not if you're suffering from depression, you might want to think twice. And that's that makes a lot of sense why I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you covered that. What about people lacking in energy? They reach for these several cups of coffee every day or energy drinks. Is there something healthier they should be doing to get energized each day? Yeah, well, one thing I would recommend is the L-tyrosine, especially for energy and clarity that can help to even out the energetic ups and downs. When it comes to caffeine, as you know, I talk about a lot in the book and there's the one case study that I tell in every <laughs> interview I do, which is the one about Ruth Wallen, which she was diagnosed with multiple personality disorders, schizophrenia, and a whole host of other issues, and she was admitted. A doctor thankfully came along and realized that she was severely allergic to caffeine. Now, once they removed the caffeine out of her diet, her mood and all of the other issues suddenly disappeared. And we have to understand that when it comes to biohacking, we need to look at bioindividuality, how I respond to the keto diet versus someone else right. in a different metabolic state is completely different. And this is where I push back on certain trend diets and I know I get a bit of flack for pushing back on keto, but we want the research to be there. Right. And we need to make sure that the people that are really struggling don't just get caught up in the hype and suddenly hurt themselves without looking a bit deeper. And the issue with the bottom 5% is because their psychology has effectively been kneecapped due to brain inflammation and other health issues. It's very hard to have emotional control. It's also extraordinarily hard to try and troubleshoot a, prob a problem because the brain doesn't have to feel it needs to process what's going yes. on. All good points. I know one of the leading causes of disease and accelerated aging is stress and something we're all probably familiar with this yes. past year. And I, in your book, you have a section called Finding the Calm in Our Chaos. Share some advice on what we can do to keep stress from wreaking havoc on our physical and mental well-being. Yeah, one of the techniques that I use the most is a visualization technique. And this is something that I turned to after my father passed away over 12 years ago from brain cancer quite suddenly. And the technique that I use, it's a little bit different. Typically, a visualization practice, you just visualize what you want and going through that. But what I get people to do is visualize the challenge that you're currently experiencing right now and then visualize how you're going to overcome that challenge, working through the issue, but then see yourself months ahead, rewind that mind movie, fast forward, rewind, fast forward, and you do that multiple times. And it's a trick I used to do before I spoke to a group of a thousand people. And what happens is you tr trick the subconscious mind into thinking that you've been there and done it before and overcome that challenge, so there's nothing to worry about. And when you think about a bride getting ready for a wedding, for example, and we think about the bridezilla scenario where she's freaking out, wants to control everything, she's totally in fight or flight, the bride's focus is on making that one day the best possible, but she can't see the other side of that. It, to the subconscious mind, it's almost like life stops on that day, and if it doesn't go right, I die. <laughs> so by seeing through that event in the months after and that everything's okay, you suddenly pop the cork on the stress, 
and the most fascinating thing happens when I've done this for speaking events, I'll get up on stage and then an hour later I walk off and I won't be able to remember a thing I've said <laughs> because <laughs> I was in the moment, I wasn't consciously thinking word for word what I was actually going to say. I was trusting my brain to do the work itself, which it's capable of, but stress is one of those things that kneecaps us when we're in a tight situation, have to get things done. Yeah, you bring up, I have a patient who's about to get married and she's just this nervous wreck. And as you mentioned, nobody dies from, <laughs> I, nobody dies from I do-itis when they say I do. So no. <laughs> <laughs> seven years, seven years later, they may feel like they're dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one thing I want to bring up, there's a sentence in your book that I believe is a primary reason why so many people are frustrated, depressed, and they lack motivation. You state in your book, a person that doesn't have purpose is less optimistic, won't achieve their goals, and they're more likely to fail. Share with us why tapping into our why is so important. It's critical because we actually see at a deeper level within the body, there are two different types of purpose. And there's one type of purpose where we're looking at the greater good. It's not just about us being rewarded for something, it's about ensuring those within our community are also supported and we're helping other people. Well, they found that that type of purpose, there's this theory around it that it decreases the fight or flight function, funnily enough, which I find absolutely fascinating. Then there's the other type of purpose, which is purely self-driven, that could increase the fight or flight response and even an inflammatory response in the body. And what we found with the individuals within this big survey of 50,000 is in the bottom 50% of people, roughly 31% had some kind of clear purpose. But what was interesting, they also had all of these other physiological issues. Now, it's important not to put too much weight on biology versus psychology, they should work cohesively together. And that was part of the issue with writing this book. When I went to see a specific professional in a specific field, of course, they had a specific solution that had worked for them and worked for their patients. But when you go and see a go to a different field and look at a different field of therapy, then of course they have a specific solution. So we all bounce around from these different models for health. So when it came to Unstoppable, we need to look at how do we encompass everything together, psych psychological energy as well as biological energy. And when it comes to purpose, if we want to achieve our goals, the heart of this is think of yourself driving up to a T-junction. If you want to achieve your purpose, you need to make a right turn. That's where all of your success is, great body, great health, feeling focused, feeling alive. But what happens is when fight or flight function is triggered or we trigger what I call self-preservation mode, where the body is in a state of distress, it literally forces us to turn left and rest and recover. Because in that particular state, in self-preservation, the body and the brain isn't interested in expending more energy to achieve your goal or reach your purpose. 
because once again, there's no, there's no energy there. You have an energy deficit. So what we've found is when people focus on increasing their energy first, then they actually have the energy to be able to think about what their purpose is, to even consider all of the hard work that that might encompass because the brain's in a calmer state and they're also much more likely to achieve, uh, achieve their goals based on the data that we've collected. Yeah, that's so, so true. You know, I've known so many people that die shortly after they retire from their job because their occupation was their purpose and it gave them a reason to wake up each day. I think when we lose purpose, we lose our reason for, like I said, getting up that morning. So I think it's so important that, you know, above and beyond diet, we got to have something to look forward to, something to make a difference in life, in the world. That's kind of my goal. I want to make a difference tomorrow better than happened today. That's my reason for waking up. Let's talk about sleep. I know an unstoppable, you should the importance of getting deep restorative sleep easier said than done where you know everyone's all stressed and worried can you share a couple tips how do we get that deep needed sleep yeah so i think the the first thing and the most critical thing for people to understand is when we talk about sleep people think about deep sleep as a whole but there's a specific phase of deep sleep which is the most restorative stage of all and this is where the body triggers muscle growth and repair um, and it's also where the brain activates its systems to remove toxins from the day. So if these toxins aren't removed at nighttime, then obviously when they build up, there can be issues with toxin buildup, including erratic behavior and other behavioral changes that can occur. So when it comes to getting deep sleep, which is the one that I focus on most, uh, there is new studies that are being done by various doctors are actually looking at optimal vitamin D and vitamin B levels. Now, obviously, we know vitamin D has been all over the news in the last year in regarding to COVID. So one thing for deep sleep that many don't consider is looking at other key nutritional deficiencies, specifically vitamin D being one of them. But there are other factors that can come into play as well. And one little trick that I don't even remember if I added it to the new edition or not, so this might be a bonus one, um, is to actually put an ice pack on your forehead before you go to sleep at night. And this is a daily practice that I've started doing in the last few months after a long day. Now, what the research suggests is that it actually shrinks the blood vessels in the prefrontal cortex. So if you're someone like me and, uh, you know, my days are pretty busy writing, filming videos, the whole lot. I have trouble winding down at night, which is a big issue why people can't sleep in the first place. I find that when I do this little practice, just with a simple ice pack, um, it calms me down. I also sleep so much better during the nighttime and I fall to sleep a lot faster because temperature has a lot to do with how well we sleep at night. So we typically put our setting to, I think, 67 at night time, uh, which is a pretty chilly temperature. And there are e there's even a device that's come out into the marketplace that I'm yet to test, but it, it you stick it on your head and it puts the, it brings down your brain's temperature to a certain degree. So this is a more advanced step than just sticking an ice pack on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So it's interesting how we can take these little tricks that are really simple. We don't yeah, need, no, that's when it good. comes to biohacking, we shouldn't overthink things. They should be easy. That's right. I know you also mentioned keep it dark and I'll share an interesting. I went, uh, was away a couple of years ago for, uh, had to stay like four or five days at a hotel. I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep. And I look up and there's this little tiny blue light on the smoke detector. And I had, re- uh, and I had read yeah. that blue light really keeps you. And I went up, no joke. I put a little piece of tape on it. I slept like a baby. It was that little tiny blue light. <laughs> so share why we need it dark and with especially the blue lights, how they, uh, they intertwine and mess us up. Yeah, well, it can interrupt our circadian rhythm. So I, I was reading somewhere not long ago that even I think less than 20 minutes of blue light can disrupt your circadian rhythm for it's, I think, believe around two hours. Don't quote me on that. Um, but another another simple thing people can do is especially wear blue light blockers through the day when they're actually working on their computer screens. Now, blue light isn't all evil. We shouldn't become too overly obsessed with it. So I see some biohackers that are wearing these ultra-dark blue light blockers, and I own a pair, but when you look outside, it looks like the world is ending because it's so dark and orange. (laughs) Um, So I think with biohacking, there has to be this balance of not being overly obsessed with things, but doing things that fit your budget, that are easy, that you're going to maintain for a long period of time. Um, But also when it comes to blue light, there is even blue light therapy. There's a device called the BrainTap, which you may have come across, which uses a combination of light therapy as well as binaural beats and isochronic tones to help retrain the brain. And... I have that particular device and that device is phenomenal. So using that device during the day is a great wake up for the brain. But at night time, when it starts to get dark outside, put your blue light blockers on. They may not be as dark as some of the biohackers are wearing, but that should be enough to help get your circadian rhythm on track again yeah even some cable boxes have a little blue light that glows all night long and i've, <laughs> and I've told patients just put a little f- a tape on it and they came back you don't believe us i slept better i go see <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's the darkness i whenever i travel i always have you know blindfold that i can put on at night time because doesn't matter what hotel room you go to, there's always going to be a little light in that room somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. In the two minutes we have, I wanted to share what, what about the gut-brain connection. You know, our gut microbiome influences our emotions, our memory, even our personality. What's your opinion on how a healthy gut influences the body and the mind? Well, as I explore in the upcoming book, Mind Control, it really underpins every aspect and component of our health. And We spoke to people at the Gut Institute as well as uh, other experts from various universities around the gut and its implications for how it can regulate or deregulate our genes for health and wellness or for disease. And the interesting thing about surveying so many people is in the group that struggles the most, I believe it's over 70% have some form of constipation, bloating, or diarrhea. Now, when we look at that, that can affect nutrient absorption. So these people are struggling with gut health issues. They may be eating a healthy diet, which is, this is a key question. Why do some people eat well but feel like hell? 
they might be eating a healthy diet, but because there's a disruption in their gut microbiome, they're not absorbing the nutrients. So they may try what's a healthy diet that gets them on track, but because they're not addressing gut health issues, they just don't see the benefits and they fall off eventually. So when it comes to the gut microbiome, we're talking about, you know, it's the reaping, it's the harvesting, it's the processing of the nutrients, which is a key component, especially in brain health. And I'm unbelievably excited about all the new research that's coming out. We looked at over 300 clinical studies, which was quite a mammoth task to look at the latest research in terms of where it's heading. And I think what we find in this new world environment, people just don't have the tools to combat toxins and overuse of antibiotics or medications or a lot of people don't even know that the high dose aspirin and ibuprofen can disrupt the gut microbiome or they don't know that getting four and a half hours of sleep at night can cause gut dysbiosis and cause a complete imbalance. So it's getting this education out to people and say, you know, let's actually start with your gut as one of the core components the diet and look at how your diet is influencing your mood and behavior because it's not always psychology being the issue. It's not always a weak mindset. The weak mindset might be a symptom of a biological issue that's actually going on, not the other way around. That's why we look at both. Well said. A healthy gut is crucial to a healthy mind. Fantastic info. We're out of time. Time flew by. We definitely got to have you back. I enjoyed this interview. You shared some great, unstoppable information for the listeners. Hope everybody took good notes. And for those of you that want to know more and get the book Unstoppable, a 90-day plan to biohack your mind and body for success, you can get your copy at arguunstoppable.com. Go to there, get that book. And while there, be sure and sign up for the free gut report. We've talked about the importance of gut. It's in here. It's a free report which shares information on how you can combat brain fog and weight gain, emotional instability, and impaired job performance. That website again is ruunstoppable.com. And you can follow Ben on Instagram at Ben Angel Author. On Facebook, he's at at your way to the top and on Twitter at Ben Angel for my daily Facebook and Twitter posts I'm at Dr. David Friedman on Instagram I'm at Dr. D Friedman if you heard Ben share something today that would benefit somebody you know which I'm sure you did send them a link to this podcast it's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library share these segments with friends family co-workers and on social media this information is just too important to keep to yourself. As I always say, sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned, stay well, and stay unstoppable.